Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Intercry Ministries Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for week two of our series on faith and grace. As we continue with week two, we begin to look at the life of Abraham, and we see a beautiful illustration of true faith in God, especially on Mount Moriah, where Abraham's given an option to believe in the things that he can see or hold on to the things that he can't. We hope that this week's episode encourages you and inspires your faith. Here's Brodon live at the table. Okay, so we're going to look back at the scriptures real quickly. I'm going to move through them very fast. So if you weren't here the last two weeks, sorry, I promise the end part will be really good, okay? This was our scripture that we started with. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift. So over the last few weeks, the Lord's been showing me that what's about to happen is there's about to be an outpouring of his spirit where victory will come instantly. Things that took years to, to do will take days. Boom, 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 boom. And the healing of the Lord is going to come in a massive wave across our nation. And if your heart is in the right place, he's going to use you as the gift of healing to many. God is about to do in this next move, the healing work that was on the cross through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where the revival is going to come. It's time, bride. So what God wants us to understand is the difference between faith and grace so that we can grab hold of grace and grab hold of faith with all that we have because it's coming. So grace is the unmerited undeserved favor of God. We talked about it two weeks ago. Grace is God meriting you with favor that you did not merit. He's gifting it to you. He's saying based on who he is, not based on who you are, he gave you favor and it came in the person of Jesus Christ. That the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And in one John 2.17 says, he was the fullness of grace. So in him is grace. Remember we had the chair up here and we said that Jesus was grace. Moving on. Faith is assurance. That's a very important word. So if we had a cake and we were baking it and it was called a cake named faith, we would say that first of all, it has to have assurance in it. Second of all, it has to have trust. And third, it has to have belief. So much belief and trust that it leans into God, not, hey God, let's do this together, but it's leaning on the power and the authority and the strength of God, and then resting in Him. Rest is the essential part of the foundation of your faith. I'm gonna get to that in just a minute. You are saved, sozo. Sozo is healing and salvation all in one. You see, when we have enough faith to understand what's inside of us, everything heals. Everything. <clears throat> he says, by grace, 
through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. And that word gift there is a very interesting Greek word. It's called doron, and it is used as an offering or a sacrifice unto God. This doron gift was supposed to be a man or a woman bringing their sin offering before the temple. Christ is the perfect gift from us to God, the doron or offering to God, allowing for complete access to the Father at all times without reservation. That's the purpose of the gift. There should be no reservation. You see, unbelief and disobedience are tied into not believing that for a believer. It's that simple. The promise that he, Abraham, would be heir of the world did not come to Abraham through the law, but through righteousness of faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, this is a very unique righteousness. There are two types of righteousness. There's acts of right doing. There is living a right life, but the heart motive can only be shifted by God. Therefore, the purity of our righteousness is tainted because of sin within the heart of man. So all my efforts to produce the righteousness of God is, as Paul said, filthy rags. But he says, I'm offering you my righteousness, the pure and perfect righteousness. I'm going to give it to you. All you have to do is believe. My act of righteousness is to sit down in him and rest. That is my pure and perfect act of righteousness. How do we know that? That's exactly what Abraham did. God made a promise to him. He said, I will make you a great nation. All he had to do was believe it, and that was credited to him as righteousness. He was a righteous man because of his belief in the promise of God. And God has said the same thing to you and me. So righteousness of faith, Abraham was declared by God righteous because he had faith not in his faithfulness, but in God's fulfillment of his promise. Now, everyone in this room who's read the Bible many times would say, yeah, 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 I agree with that. Till you're unfaithful. And then this truth has to sink in here. In that moment, the enemy attacks. He puts shame on you and guilt, tells you you're unworthy, and because you're unfaithful, whatever it was that God promised you, not going to come. Not going to come. So then what happens is, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual growth, promises that God had for you in ministry, whatever, when that delays, and usually it's because of the enemy that it delays, we credit it to this. Well, God does change people's lives. God loves. He promises. He is faithful. There's just something wrong with me because he's not faithful to me. Or I've been unfaithful, so he shelved me. I've been forgotten. Every one of us 
every one of us fight through these lies. So what God is saying to us tonight is we are children of Abraham if we do not trust in our faithfulness, but we trust in his faithfulness, in his love and his power and his strength in us. The word actually says, when we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. Amen? So in Romans 5, uh, 15 through 17, um, it says that the gift that came through the unmerited favor found in the person of Jesus Christ was a dore. Now that's a different than doran. This is a gift from God. So in other words, God gives us a gift. So now Jesus comes as the gift to the Father, the offering. Now the Father offers us through Jesus Christ a gift. It's a gift of righteousness. And it comes in the person of Jesus Christ who sends his Holy Spirit to live in you, to teach you all righteousness. He said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send the Paracletas, the Holy Spirit, and he will become your comfort, your teacher, and he will tell you of all things. He'll bring to remembrance all that I have said to you, and he will tell you of the future. Powerful. Everything that I need to walk is there because it's a gift. Amen? He gave us the gift, the dori, of righteousness through Christ who was grace. Romans 5, 18, the Holy Spirit. Where then is our faith in all of this? Where is your faith? This is a great question. Where do you place your faith? Because this is where it gets sticky. Because when something doesn't happen that it was supposed to, Something was wrong with your faith. Ever had that told to you or felt that way? Man, I just don't have enough faith for this. Or after something didn't go right, you really kicked yourself and I just don't know what's wrong with me. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of people believe for stuff I can't believe. I don't know what's up with me. Or, as you heard me say a couple of weeks ago, that people who can sometimes tell you in a way that is so condemning that when something doesn't happen, they tell you, well, the problem is you just didn't have enough faith. It sounds like you failed, doesn't it? It's, it's not about failure. It's not about failure. Remember I told you that Abraham's yes continued to be right on even though Abraham's behavior was all over the place. He did some things that were just not right and yet the bible says in romans chapter 5 that he un, he was unwavering in his faith what does that mean it means his faith had nothing to do with the perfection of the performance it had to do with his trust in what the lord was and what he was going to do so sometimes i'm a mess but my yes to the Lord and his promises are still going on in my soul. Deep down inside, I'm still saying yes, even though I might not look so pretty on the outside. That's why it says he was unwavering. He did not 
waver in his belief that the promise would come even at 100 years of age or when his wife was past childbearing. Faith is not about performance. If, if this is performance, <laughs> then we're all in trouble because faith is about resting in the promise. This is about leaning, not standing on your own. You hear me? So if this is grace, faith in grace is a resting place. If this chair is grace, my act of faith is to believe in it. When I sit down, if I fall, right, then the chair was unfaithful. But I didn't think about this chair being unfaithful at all. It didn't even enter my mind when I put uh, my large body on top of it. And most of you sat down tonight and never thought about the chair you were sitting on, whether it would collapse. It's just you've already got that kind of faith. You're already in that place where the chair you're about to sit on, you don't even go, okay, I'm about to sit down. Better not plop. It might break. Did any of y'all think that tonight? Maybe you shouldn't raise your hand if you thought that. But if, uh, if you look at the chair, what does my faith in the chair have to do with me? It has nothing to do with me. What my faith is in is in these big, thick legs, which I know about. And I've sat on many times, and when, it's, when I sit on it, it feels stable. Every time I sit down, it feels more and more stable. So my faith is not in my ability to sit down. It's in this, which is what we represent as the grace of God. My faith is in the power of God. My faith is in his ability. I'm trusting in him. Now, it starts with rest. This is what I wrote. One cannot easily discern the difference between striving to please God and active faith until one has truly entered the faith of resting in God's finished work. If you get ahead of this, then what happens is your faith is an act of performance. And now you've moved back into a Pharisee place where it's about what you do and not what God did. And you negate the cross. You negate the blood. You negate the finished work of Christ. And therefore, as you walk, you have a mixture and you can't figure out why you're not getting free. Because you're looking at your performance and depending upon it to be set free as Jesus said, if you are free, you are free indeed, meaning you are fully free. If I can come into an entered rest, it is the stabilization of my relationship with the Lord. Once I have rested, then he begins to reveal to me the revelation of the intimacy of his power. So with us, Ephesians tells us that the power of God is what we trust in, and that power is love. And Paul said, I pray that you learn the width, the depth, the height, and the breadth of the power of God, the love of God that is in you, that strengthens you so that you may fully become just like Jesus, that the fullness of Christ would be in you. So what I'm trying to say to you tonight is, 
is that when you have faith in his love, when you have faith in his finished work, that trust, that's seated in him, that when he says, abide in me and I will abide in you, if you put your trust in me and I have your life, then my Father and I will come and make ourselves known to you. That's that rest. We'll come and abide in you. Wow. To have the Father and the Son abiding in me. Jesus' promise. Didn't Abraham say something about a promise that he believed in? That's a promise from Jesus to you and me. So he's promising me that the Father and the Son will dwell in me and they will make themselves known to me. That's a promise. All I have to do is rest in him. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 11, it talks about Israel and they would not enter into the rest of God. They came to the edge of the promised land, and the spies went out. They came back said, oh, there's giants. We're like grasshoppers against them. And two of the spies said, no, 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 we can go and take it. The other ten said, absolutely not. We cannot do this. They'll kill us all. So then the people of Israel said to God, we will not go in because you have brought us out here to kill us. And Hebrews chapter 3 tells us the reason why Israel did not enter into the promise was because they did not know God's ways. They did not understand that he was good, that he was faithful, that he was loving. And you know what Hebrews said? That's rebellion. Rebellion is when I stop trusting that he's good and believe that he's bad. That's what he said. That's what they said. It is a warning to us to not be unbelieving and rebellious. So belief, faith, pistos, faith is to believe in who he is. That's the key. So it is by grace you have been saved and through faith, through pistos, meaning that I'm believing in the grace, the unmerited favor. I'm believing in the fullness of God. I'm believing that I am totally forgiven. And I am believing that his righteousness is perfect no matter how I behave. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Resting in that. So look at this. There remains, talking about Israel did not enter the rest, then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. Watch this. Just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest. Can't rest if you think it's not finished. You can't rest if you think God doesn't have your best interest in mind. You can't rest if you do not believe that the blood of Jesus covered all of your sins, past, present, future. You cannot rest if you believe that because God saved you, now owe him everything, and now you've got to go out and prove that you were worthy to be saved. Instead of just saying, 
you didn't earn it, then you can't keep earning it. I came after you when you didn't want me. How do you think I am towards you now that you are mine? So he says, so make every effort, look at that line, every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. You know what your work is? This is a hard one. You ready for this? Watch this. This is the work that you have to do. But those of us who've been believers for a long time, we'll tell you that's a hard thing to do. We'll get into that next week. How faith is so hard to stay in. You would think a place of rest like this, of peace, of joy. Man, no, I don't want everyone to leave here. Oh, no. The devil gets in our ear and says, oh, no, no. No, 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 you're not right with the Lord. You need to get up from there. You need to go do this. You need to go do that. And before you know it, you're up doing. And no matter what you do, it just seems to be that it ain't enough. And you found yourself on a new treadmill. The do, 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 do treadmill. So, we're going to work hard at one thing. Entering in to God's rest. Read this with me. God chose what is low and despised in the world, what is regarded as nothing, that would be me, to set aside what is regarded as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. He is the reason you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I love that. He says, who, Jesus, by the way, became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus became everything that you needed to be. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, 1 Corinthians. Everything I need to become like Christ is found within. This is a huge deal. Here's where the rest becomes a big issue. You see, everything you need is right here. It's not out here. The great deception since Eve was, well, Eve, the truth is, is that God's keeping you from something. The truth is, if you eat this fruit, you'll be more than what you were. The truth is, this fruit will make you like God, even though, quote, God made them in his image. You see, they were perfect and without sin. And Satan said, no, you're not. If you just eat this fruit, you will be, though. And the church is still doing the same thing. We're sitting in the rest of God in the garden with God. Only he doesn't come in the cool of the day. He now lives here. And we're getting up to go find him. And we're getting up to go look for that thing we need to be feeling okay. We're getting up to go look for it in somebody else. One more sermon, one more teaching. Got to read the Bible more, got to pray more, got to do this more. Now, all those things are good if they flow out of being in God instead of trying to become in God. Being in God and trying to become in God, one is rest, the other one, you're in the do, 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 do. 
well, if I just do this and if I just do that, everything will come back to that place of the seat with God. Everybody with me? So the power of faith developing in you has to start with rest. There's nothing more powerful to overcome anxiety than this. The finished work of Christ. I'm almost there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does every spiritual blessing mean to you? Every spiritual blessing. Are there more? No, no, no. They're all in you. Let's see. He says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He's saying, I chose you to be blameless. I chose you to be holy. His divine power has granted to us, this is 2 Peter 1, 3, watch this, all things that pertain to life and what? Is there something else we need? It says all things. What does all things mean? And we got them. He says, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, faith is being sure, Hebrews 1. Watch this. Read this now. This is supposed to be the definition of faith. Now, faith is being sure. Being sure. Say that again. Say it with me. Being sure. Sure. Are you sure? Because that's what faith is, is that you're being really sure about what you know and believe. Are you sure? Because that's what the devil did to Eve. He said, are you sure, Eve? That's what he said. Are you sure? She wasn't. That's why she was standing at the tree listening to him in the first place. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. Being convinced of what we do not see. Now, I'm going to say this to you guys, and y'all need to hear this. If you don't have that kind of faith tonight, look at this scripture. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the preached word of Christ. Holy cow. So if I don't have enough faith, I just need to get in the word. Jesus, the living word. And the spirit of God who's in me, who has given me all righteousness, will align me with everything written in that book. The spirit of God is waiting to teach you because he knows it will increase your faith so that you can say to the mountain, move to the sea, and it moves to the sea. You can say to the fig tree, die and it dies Jesus told his disciples if you had the faith of a mustard seed you could move a mountain to the sea do you think God doesn't want you to have that faith that that's for an obscure group of religious people who spend all their time fasting and praying or is it for all the believers so tonight your inheritance is the faith that moves a mountain. If you don't have that faith, it's not an indictment on where you are. It is a call to more of the Word of God. It is a call to stir up in you 
the faith that believes for your victory. In other words, the volume level or the intensity of your faith is actually in your hands. Turn the TV off, turn your phone off, and open the Word and say, Holy Spirit, I need a miracle, and I, my faith is not strong enough. Let me learn from you. Let me hear from you. Let my eyes of understanding and my soul and my ears of understanding open so that everything the Word of God says may come clear to me so that I can say to my sickness, you're a liar. So faith is not, the lack of faith is not an indictment on you as a person. I gotta believe, I gotta believe, I gotta believe, I gotta believe, I gotta believe. And when you don't believe, you go, man, I just can't believe enough. As though you had to muster it up. And since you didn't muster it up, something's wrong with you. None of us can muster it up. Faith comes by hearing and hearing, come on, being sure of and convinced of. So Abraham, the father of our faith, spends 27 years waiting on a promise. And finally, he has the child that is the promise that came through his wife who was in her late 80s. Then that child who had been the promise to build mighty nation out of he tells him when he's 17 years old, take the child, go up on a mountain, Moriah, and sacrifice him to me. So it's a three-day journey. He gets up, loads up everything to make a sacrifice, and they head that way, right? They get to the bottom of the mountain. He said, my son and I will go up from here by ourselves. They carried the sacrificial stuff up the hill. And on the way... <laughs> And on the way up, his son says, Father, where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? And he says, Son, the Lord will provide. Now, we could all say that. Words. Just assuring the child everything's going to be okay. That's not what he was saying. He was speaking the assurance the confidence of what was about to come. You see, you and I live in a three-dimensional world. This is three-dimensional. And our five senses are designed to lead in that world. Our five senses tell us one thing. But those five senses do not tell you what's happening in the spiritual realm. The only thing that tells you what's happening in the spiritual realm is the Holy Spirit living in you. And see, what we don't understand about health and healing and mental health is that scientifically, we've got a lot down. We can tell you what's wrong with you. Most of the time, we can't tell you how to fix it. But you go to a doctor, and they'll diagnose you, and they'll give you 15 things that's going wrong with you. And then the outcome of that. We give you some stuff for pain. We give you this. We give you that. But you're stuck with it. And when you leave there, the science is so clear and so true, you have to believe it. And your body is feeling all of the symptoms. It's not a lie, it's truth in this three-dimensional world. 
So as Abraham is walking up that mountain, the truth is in the three-dimensional world, there's no lamb. Moriah didn't have a bunch of trees on it, so I promise you, you could see for a mile or two, and by the time they got to the top of the mountain, they knew there's no lamb up here. The son looks and sees that there is no lamb, but he still asked the father, and he said, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. The son submits to his father as the sacrifice, and then the father raises the knife, and Abraham, actually the word says he would have killed him had the angel not stopped him. So it wasn't like, okay, God, okay, okay. No, no, no. You told me to kill him. I'm going to do exactly what you told me to do, and I have an assurance that whatever comes out will be exactly what was supposed to come out. I'm not looking at the natural and saying, why are you making me kill my son? That's not right. Where is the lamb that was supposed to take his place? No, no, no. He goes all the way up, and the angel stops him and points out, and all of a sudden there is a lamb in a thicket with his horns caught. Do you understand what just happened? He reached into the fourth, fifth, and sixth dimension, into the heavenlies. We call the heavenlies. But not the second heaven. He reached up there to the throne of God, and his faith grabbed hold of what Father promised him. Because his faith and confidence said, the Lord will provide. And so what you and I have to recognize is God is asking you to raise your faith to that level, to read the word, to stay in prayer to come to the Lord till your faith just rises till you can speak and say I know my circumstances say there is no hope and my promise is going to die but God will provide am I reneging on what you've heard and said about your body or your mind or your problems no they're truth or your reality one or both but then there's God. I'm not talking about being presumptuous. That's witchcraft. I'm talking about that God already has spoken and convinced you, and you are so assured that you can tell that God's about to do something. The hair on the back of your neck stands up because you know that you know that you know that God is going to do that. So then... Like Abraham, you rest. You sit down in that promise. God will provide. And you stay in that place of belief, no matter what the circumstances say. That's faith. Tonight, I'm going to challenge you right now. I'm going to say this to each and every one of you. Where is your faith tonight? Where is your faith tonight? Is it increased enough to challenge the situation in your life? Tonight, the great word for you is, it's okay. But now you know that you have the power to turn up your faith. That your commitment to him is found in knowing him 
and knowing his promises for you and reading them with your eyes and hearing your spirit man say, uh-huh, that's yours. Do you want it? Yes, daddy, I want it. Yes, daddy, I want it. Some of you right now have tried for so long and asked God, I want this, I want this, I want this. And God's saying, why do you keep asking? I've already given it to you. The lamb's in the thicket. You just can't see it yet. But if you'll believe me and step, step into the promise, I will reveal it. God, give me that faith. So let me pray with you. Well, I believe I have a word for us. And so I'd like for us to wait on the Lord for it. I believe the Lord is saying, get ready. Get ready, church. I'm about to shift. In the next two months, everything will shift. The nation will look different. Your situation will look different. And the Lord says, where will you be with the decision that I have put before you right now? Would you rather be ready for me? The Lord says. Ready for me. That says, here am I, Lord, send me. The Lord is saying, I'm making you ready if you will say yes. I'm making you ready if you will say yes. Do not look to one man or another one preacher or teacher, but look to my spirit, says the Lord. I am speaking to you, says the Lord. I am speaking to everyone. Will they listen? There will come a time very soon when many will stop listening because it will be too hard, the Lord says for them to listen to what I'm saying to them and to see what is happening around them. The Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. Will you let me finish what I have started? This is an hour when you cannot look back over your shoulder. You cannot look at your circumstances. This is an hour, as in Mark 11, where you have to be able to say to your mountain, move. And it will move because I am giving you that faith. I am giving you that faith, says the Lord. Whatever you thought you could do before in me, I'm about to make it impossible for you to believe for it because it's so big, so powerful, so great that I'm going to do a work in each of you. It is time for my church to shine. This is what I hear. Your yes will start to bear fruit really soon. Your yes will start to bear fruit very soon.
been enjoying the Intercrime Ministries podcast, we'd like to offer an opportunity to you to become partners with us. Intercrime Ministries is a nonprofit, and we rely fully on support from our community and listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us today, check out our website at www.intercry.org and click on give. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.